From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. And today we have a super stacked show. I'm going to be talking about this past Monday's Monday Night Raw. I'll give my thoughts on NXT. I'm going to be talking about Wednesday's AEW, Thursday's Impact Wrestling. And I'm going to be taking you back in time like I do every week. We're going to be talking about ECW Hardcore TV. The next two episodes in November 1997, we are on the lead up to the November to Remember 1997 taking place on pay-per-view from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the main event will be Shane Douglas versus Bam Bam Bigelow, but more about that later on. But first, I want to salute all my Wrestling DeLorean passengers who rides with the Wrestling DeLorean podcast every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from all over the world. I'm talking the United States, Mexico, Canada, India, Brazil, Russia, Ireland, UK. The list goes on and on. I can't even begin to go through it. It is amazing all the support I get. I love you all. Without you, there is no me. If you don't already... Follow the podcast on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow on TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. We have a super stack show, so I'm going to stop talking right now. We're going to get into all the news and notes around the wrestling world right now. So let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for allowing me into your morning routine like you do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I appreciate all the support. Like I always say, without you, there is no me. And it's not just me saying it just to say it. It is the God honest truth. I salute you guys. I appreciate you guys. You guys make this podcast possible. So I love you all. Thank you for all the support. We have a super stacked show. Hashtag super stacked. We got a lot to talk about. Did miss the show on Wednesday. I apologize. We want to be more consistent. You know what I mean? Like I mentioned before, I got my son in the NICU still. He's born three months ago and he's still in the hospital. But that all seems to be coming to an end. He should be home very, very soon, God willing. So I will be more consistent. And when we are more consistent, I'm going to be bringing the podcast to you live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday via Twitch streaming. I was talking to my boy Chris Fab. You know what I mean? My boy Fab, who is right now an affiliate on Twitch, you know, shouts to Fab. If you don't already, follow Yatusabe0412, that is Y-A-T-U-S-A-B-E-0412 on Twitch. 
My man has a very entertaining stream that he does where he's playing uh, Dead by Daylight. You know what I mean? He, he's a new affiliate on Twitch. So go support the homie. If you are into gaming, if you're into, you know, just having a good time, go support the homie. Also, because I'm showing love to all my homies right now, if you want to get your special someone something on Valentine's Day, look no further than Remedies of Love. They have everything from custom cards, uh, box sets. They got, you know, chocolates. They got homemade uh, desserts, all that good shit. You don't want to be that guy who doesn't get your girl something nice on Valentine's Day. So if you want to get your girl something nice on Valentine's Day, make sure you get it from Remedies of Love. I'm going to link Remedies of Love. I'm going to link uh, the Twitch for my boy Fab. So make sure you support the homie. Support those who support me, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we have a super stack show, and I want to start out this episode by talking about the news and notes about Shane McMahon, who was in the Royal Rumble ruffled a lot of feathers in the Royal Rumble, and then was fired two days later. Now, it was reported that Shane McMahon pissed a lot of people off, and the morale coming out of the Royal Rumble was pretty low because of the booking of Shane McMahon, who came in number 28 so late in the damn Rumble, took out an established star like Kevin Owens. You know, people were saying that he was booking himself to... A little, you know, a little too hard there, a little too strong, and I gotta agree, when I was watching the Rumble, I was like, yo, what the fuck is up with Shane? First of all, we don't see Shane McMahon for God knows how long, and then all of a sudden he's in, and he's fucking eliminating guys like Kevin Owens, who's getting a major push right now on the fucking broadcast. It sounds like a little bullshit to me. Then, it was, you know, being rumored that Shane McMahon was going to be booked in the Elimination Chamber for the World Heavyweight Champion in Saudi Arabia. And then I was really like, yo, what the fuck? Shane McMahon is getting a lot of push here. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Little, you know, power-hungry. Little midlife crisis-like. And on top of that, there was notes that Matt Riddle was supposed to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, Brock Lesnar winning was a last-minute thing. There was rumors that Shane McMahon wanted a WWE title match against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. What the hell? This was really, really weird shit coming out of the Royal Rumble and that following Monday. It's really weird. And it was being confirmed by major sources in the business. Major sources. People that could be relied on. Talking about the Sean Ross Saps of Fightful. Uh, Dave Meltzer. Even though Dave Meltzer could be a little, you know, a little wrong sometimes. But I'm talking about, you know, a lot of sources coming out. PW Insider, Wrestling Inc., Fightful. A lot of these sources coming out with the same story. So it led me to believe that this had to be true. This had to be true. And it, it, it kind of, you know, put a sour taste in my mouth. It kind of soured my stomach. It made me sick to my stomach. Because here is the WWE who literally proved that they cannot make new stars at the Royal Rumble. Giving someone like Shane McMahon a goddamn title run or a title match at WrestleMania. The World Heavyweight title match at WrestleMania is a covenant spot that not many get. That main event spot at WrestleMania is a spot that not many get. And we're going to give it to Shane McMahon. There's only six spots in the Elimination Chamber for the World Heavyweight Champion. We're going to give it to Shane McMahon. 
sounded like bullshit to me. So I was happy when I heard that the higher-ups in WWE, I'm guessing Nick Khan and Vince McMahon, were not too pleased with this. They weren't too happy with the roster being, you know, a little sour on the booking of Shane McMahon, rightfully so. So it came out on Tuesday morning that Shane McMahon was quietly released from the WWE. Now, whether you want to think that that's a good thing or not, whether you agree with it or not, it had to be done. It seemed like the my, yo, it seemed like my man Shane was a little power hungry. It seemed like he was having a midlife crisis. And we had to, you know, nip that in the bud before shit got really bad. I swear to God, if we would have saw Shane McMahon in the main event of WrestleMania wrestling for the title after not seeing this boy for at least a year, I would have been pissed. Especially if I was a talent in the WWE who works my ass off 52 weeks a year. And then you got the boss's son come in one match, whole year, one match. And he's wrestling for the World Heavyweight Champion on the most prestigious show of the year. I would have been pissed. Especially when it was shown and proven that the WWE cannot make new stars. With Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar becoming the Royal Rumble winners and your number one contenders going into WrestleMania. So I think the WWE made the right decision by firing the boy Wonder. By firing Shane O'Mac. That's just my opinion. I see a lot of mixed reactions. And if anyone says that Shane McMahon is going to AEW, you are a fucking idiot. Shane McMahon's not going to AEW. Shane McMahon will not go to AEW. Everyone who's like, oh, it's going to be so awesome when Shane McMahon shows up on AEW and goes head-to-head with his father. That's not going to fucking happen. Shane McMahon needs to go away. He needs to go bye-bye. He needs to go home. That's where Shane McMahon needs to go. He needs to go home. He don't need to go AEW. He don't need to go compete with his father. He needs to go home. Hell, I mean, at this point, Vince McMahon needs to go home too, but that's, that's another story. Speaking of Vince McMahon, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Now, this was a mixed bag for me. Monday Night Raw was half entertaining, half eh, which is the norm nowadays, you know. Very rare are we given three hours of a great Monday Night Raw. Nowadays, we get maybe... At most, an hour that's good and two hours that are skippable. Now, this this Raw did set up the the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view or premium live event, as they like to call it, in Saudi Arabia really well. They had qualifying matches for the Elimination Chamber, which I liked. I definitely like. You know, it gives me a reason to watch the rest of the show instead of you just announcing participants for the Elimination Chamber, had people earn it and qualify for it. And I'm quite intrigued. Brock Lesnar is going to be in the Elimination Chamber. We've seen Brock Lesnar have a confrontation with Bobby Lashley, and MVP declined the challenge on Lashley's behalf for Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. So Brock Lesnar was announced to be in the Elimination Chamber by Adam Pearce, and That's very intriguing since Brock already won the Royal Rumble. Now, I think we all could see where this is going. I mentioned it on the podcast post day one. 
And I said that it looks like we're probably going to be getting Brock Lesnar versus uh, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, title for title. And I think that this is how you do it. Do I want to see it? No. Do I want to see Brock Lesnar take the title off of Bobby Lashley so soon? No. Does Brock Lesnar need a title shot before WrestleMania when he already has a title shot at WrestleMania? No. But if they want to unify the titles, then this is how you do it. You have Brock Lesnar beat Bobby Lashley in the Elimination Chamber and five other men. And then he goes on to WrestleMania. Huge box office smash main event. Universal Champion versus WWE Champion. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. I think that that's a good way of doing it instead of some nonsensical booking, which, you know, is the norm with WWE. It's also announced on Raw that we're going to be getting Lita versus Becky Lynch. Now, that is a dream match. You know, it, come on. Like, that's, that's, that's good. This is the good part of Raw. We also got... Ronda Rousey refusing to give her decision on who she is facing at WrestleMania for the women's champion, whether it's Becky Lynch or Charlotte. I'm calling it right now. I think it's going to be Charlotte. I hope, I see a lot of people saying that they see it being another three-way between Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda. I hope not. The last one wasn't good, so why are we doing it again? I hope it isn't. If we do Ronda versus Charlotte at Mania for the title... So be it. That should be a good match. If you think back to their Survivor Series match, don't quote me on it. I think it was like 2017, 2018, one of them years. They did really good. Charlotte versus Ronda was really good. That WrestleMania match with Charlotte, Ronda, and Becky left a lot to be desired. But there was, you know, there was a lot of wrenches thrown into the equation. There was a lot of curveballs. Uh, Charlotte, I think, injured Ronda Rousey throughout the match. Becky Lynch's booking leading up to the match was a little weird. You had the whole Ronda Rousey turns heel thing, and then you had Charlotte getting arrested. It was a lot of weird shit leading up to that matchup. So if they did redo it, it probably would be better because you could only go up from the match that they did have. But I just don't want to see it. Personally, I would rather it be... Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch and Bianca wins the title. And you have on the other side, on the SmackDown side, you have Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte. That's that's a good way of doing it. We had, like I said, qualifying matches on the show. One of them being an extraordinary matchup between AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio. Really good matchup. I really enjoyed this. This was great shit by these two legendary high-flying international superstars in the end Rey Mysterio went for a top rope her Karana which he landed but AJ Styles rolled through and hit the Styles Clash this was amazing great chemistry between these two now these two guys they're no spring chicken you know what I mean these guys are up there now AJ Styles is pushing 45 Rey Mysterio is pushing 50 I think and these guys are having the best match on the show what does that say these guys are making it seem easy. The younger generation could learn a lot from an AJ Styles and a Rey Mysterio. Especially a Rey Mysterio. And I'm going to tell you why. And I love AJ Styles. AJ Styles is my favorite wrestler. I, I've been saying it for years. Since i seen the guy in 2002, I've been a huge fan of AJ Styles. And people could learn a thing or two from AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio. Because Rey Mysterio is a high flyer, just like everyone nowadays is a high flyer. Even if you're a big man, you got to do flips, right? 
but Rey Mysterio still has psychology in the match. AJ Styles still has psychology in the match. AJ Styles could pull out fucking moves like shooting star presses, 450s, uh, spinal taps, like all these ma- all these moves that you got the newer generation pulling out like it's nothing, AJ Styles could do, and he pulls it out. But when it makes sense, that's the difference. When AJ Styles does a high-flying move, it makes sense. He's not going 1,000 miles per hour doing 16, 17 flips a match where by the end of it, you're exhausted by watching and he just did a bunch of unnecessary shit, risking injury, and it didn't even need to be happening. AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio are not chasing the pop. They're chasing the legacy. And I'm not even trying to be dramatic right now. They're not chasing the pop. I'm not going to name names because I will never talk shit about a wrestler on this podcast. I have too much respect for the men and women who do what they do in that ring. But there is a lot of wrestlers who chase the pop. For those who are new to this and don't know what that means, there's a lot of wrestlers who does shit just for a quick crowd reaction. That's what that means. They're not doing shit. That makes sense. They're doing shit for a quick crowd reaction. Now, yes, getting a crowd reaction is good. But chasing that crowd reaction instead of having the crowd eaten in the palm of your hands, that's the difference. AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio had that crowd on the edge of their seat eating at the palm of their hands. While other wrestlers nowadays do shit for a crowd just go, ooh, oh, ooh. And then the stupid little... This is awesome. Those wrestlers are a dime a dozen. There's a reason why AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio, 20, 30 years in, are still at the same spot that they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and that's at the top. There's a reason because wrestlers like this know what to do. Wrestlers like this know how to wrestle with psychology, wrestle with a story, and Wrestle smartly. That's all I'm going to say. Monday Night Raw, good show. We have a super stacked Elimination Chamber coming up. The match is going to be contested for the WWE Champion between Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Matt Riddle, and Edge. That is a hell of an Elimination Chamber. If I got to say, I think that that is the most stacked elimination chamber that we've seen in a very long time. A very long time. It's going to be amazing. If this is not a Brock Lesnar feeding frenzy. If it's just a elimination chamber with competitive wrestling, I think it's going to be amazing. I give this Monday Night Raw a two and a half out of five stars. I enjoyed it, but it could have been better. A lot of shit that, you know, I am not too keen of, but definitely really good action. I I like the action, not too big on some of the stories going on, but it is what it is, right? Now let's fast forward a little bit to Wednesday. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to be talking all about this past Wednesday's AEW Dynamite from Chicago, Illinois, where in the main event, for the first time ever, we got CM Punk versus MJF. So when we come back, we're going to be talking all about AEW Dynamite. Stay tuned. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. 
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics? Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. We're about to get into AEW Dynamite from this past Wednesday, where we had a lot of insane action. I'm talking about a main event that was contested over 35 minutes between CM Punk and MJF in CM Punk's hometown, where the result may surprise you. We also have a great match between Ruby Soho and Nyla Rose. We have a phenomenal matchup between the Kings of the Black Throne and Pac and Pentagon Jr. So without further ado, let's talk about this week's AEW Dynamite from Chicago, Illinois. This AEW Dynamite was a very, very good show. Now, for anybody who's been hating on Dynamite, which, you know, I had, I gotta be, you know, transparent here. I had my little rants where I was talking about AEW was in the slump. AEW is proven without a shadow of a doubt, there is no slump. Yeah, was there a couple weeks where shit was a little, eh, yes, but ever since then, this has been stack show after stack show after stack show with big main event after big main event after big main event. With a lot of stars on the show, I made that complaint where there's not enough stars on the show. And, yo, right now, shit has been really hitting and connecting for AEW. So let's get into the stack show on this past Wednesday. We started out hot. It was John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta. Now, the elephant in the room here was earlier in the day, it was announced that it was John Moxley versus Brian Kendrick, who was just released by the WWE. So having him on AEW so soon was definitely, you know, a really big deal. So I thought that was pretty cool, but it was announced about an hour or two before the show that AEW discovered that Brian Kendrick made some remarks back in the day that does not fit with AEW's beliefs. I don't know what it is. I 
believe what I was hearing was Brian Kendrick made some remark about Sandy Hook being fake or, you know, children not actually dying in Sandy Hook. He talked about conspiracies, about 9-11, and, you know, a lot of shit that could get AEW a lot of negative press by showcasing this guy. So I kind of agree with AEW holding themselves to a higher standard and saying, you know what, we're not, we're not going to display this guy right now just for the fact that it could bring a lot of negativity to a company right now that needs all the positivity that they can have. The positive press. Right now, AEW gets a lot of negative press. So having a guy like Brian Kendrick with a pass like he has, I understand why they held him off for now. Instead, it was Wheeler Yuta who took his spot. So the opening matchup was John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta, and he was accompanied by Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. So it seems like Danhausen is going to be a part of the best friends. It fits, but the best friends is getting a lot, a lot of new, you know, recruits, and it's getting a little big there. I would hold off on signing anybody else to the best friends after this, but this was a solid matchup. Moxie picks up the victory in the end, though. Who would have thought any different here? But Wheeler Yuta put up a very solid showing, and I gotta say, this might have been the best Wheeler Yuta I've seen in AEW. But the real story came after the match. Brian Danielson hits the ring. He has a microphone in his hand. We're all thinking that this is going to lead to the Brian Danielson-John Moxley match, but that's not the case. Instead, we got a little swerve swerve here. He's on the mic. He says, for a long time, he was different. You know, he saw Moxley as being different, and he wanted to fight Moxley. He wanted to see him versus Moxley in an AEW ring. The crowd's doing their, yes, yes, yes. Right? He says they want to see Moxley versus Danielson here in an AEW ring. But since he came back, he sees a new John Moxley. And he always wanted to test John Moxley. He said that when John Moxley was the AEW champion, he was the best AEW champion. He said that if he had the support that he needed when he was going against Kenny Omega, he would still be AEW champion. He then said that he shouldn't be fighting Moxley. They shouldn't be fighting each other. They instead should be fighting together. He said that there is no reason why a millennial cowboy should be the AEW world champion. Why a guy dressed up as a dinosaur should be the AEW tag team champion. And why a guy who only worries about his vlogs on YouTube should be a TNT champion. He said to John Moxley that together they could run AEW. He said that they can influence real wrestlers like Wheeler Yuta, like Lee Moriarty, like Daniel Garcia. Get them away from the jokes and the clowns of AEW and train them and teach them how to really wrestle and take control of their career. He tells John that to, you know, don't give me a decision now. He wants him to think about it. But he leaves him with this. He said, just think about the legacy of greatness that we can create here together. Danielson then extended his hand, but then he retracted a little bit and said, John, think about it. Quite honestly, this whole segment was amazing. There's a big difference between someone on the mic and someone who's a professional on the mic like Brian Danielson. Honestly, you could see the contrast between some guys in AEW talking on the mic and having a guy like Brian Danielson who cuts promos like, like he's just being natural. And that's the best way to put it. it. It just comes natural for Brian Danielson, just like it does for John Moxley, just like it does for Eddie Kingston, just like it does for CM Punk and MJF. AEW's real 
promo heavy and it works because these promos sound more realistic than the WWE promos. Anyway, later, well, not later. After this, we got a really good video package for the MJF CM Punk main event tonight. And then we're taken back to the ring and Brandy Rhodes is in the ring. No one wants to see Brandy Rhodes in the ring. Seems like she's kind of turning heel. I don't give a fuck about Brandy Rhodes turning heel. I care about Cody Rhodes turning heel. So I don't care about this. But anyway, she calls Cleveland Chicago. No, she calls Chicago Cleveland. I don't know. She thought that that was going to get a reaction. Like, people don't give a fuck about this. Like, whatever. Anyway, Dan Lambert comes out. He cuts her off. He's really laying into her. He calls her as fake as her boobs. Uh, Brandy said that they only hired Ethan Page to get to Josh Alexander. Woo. Wow. Like, good zinger there, Brandy. Whatever. The crowd's chanting really loud, shut the fuck up. Like, really loud. Every time Brandy tries to talk, it's, shut the fuck up. Pretty funny shit there. Um, Brandy takes shots at ATT's failures. She talks about America Top Team losing to uh, Amanda Nunez. She talks about some other shit. You know, who cares at this point? Anyway, Dan Lambert, he brings out Paige Van Zandt. Paige Van Zandt manhandles Brandy. Women locker room empties out. If this leads to Paige Van Zandt versus Brandy Rhodes... I don't know if anybody really was asking to see that. I don't care. I don't know if anyone really cares to see that, but whatever. Next, we got an extremely good matchup between the House of Blacks, King of the Black Throne, Malachi Black and Brody King versus Pac and Pentagon Jr. representing the Death Triangle. This was really good. Pac started out blindfolded. He then takes off the blindfold. He's really taking the fight to Malachi Black. Like I said, these two teams matched up really well. It was a lot of great action. In the end, though, after a really good matchup, Brody King and Malachi Black pick up the victory. Excellent match. A real high spot on this show. Uh, Other matches we got on this show was Nyla Rose versus Ruby Soho. That was a really good matchup. Ruby Soho, being from Chicago, got a big crowd reaction. But in the end, Ruby Soho was not victorious. She loses to Nyla Rose, who hits a monstrous powerbomb on her from the top rope. We got the Gun Club. They jump Jungle Boy. They throw him outside of the arena, throw him into the snow. Really cool to see other environments. I like that. You know what I mean? I like to see other environments. Like, show me outside. Show me the snow. Like, I'm, I'm easily pleased. You know what I mean? We see CM Punk and MJF warming up for their match. Next on the show, Tony Schiavone brings out Hangman Adam Page, who talks about Lance Archer, their Texas death match going down next week. Lance Archer comes out. Well, no, first Jake the Snake Roberts comes out. He's out with Dan Lambert. They're talking shit about Hangman Page. Hangman has enough. He goes to go confront Jake the Snake, but then Lance Arch comes out and absolutely destroys Hangman. He hits a giant choke slam onto the uh, steel steps, and then he hits Blackout through the table. Lance Archer's on a roll here. I'm pretty excited. Lance Archer versus Hangman Page for the AEW World Champion in a Texas Deathmatch should be very interesting next week. Chris Jericho is cutting a promo backstage. He's pissed off with Santana and Ortiz. So he calls an entire full inner circle meeting where it is mandatory to show up next week on AEW. Enough of that shit. Let's talk about the main event. CM Punk, MJF, really great matchup. I see a lot of people shitting on this matchup. I see a lot of people saying this matchup was boring. This matchup was not boring. This matchup was long, but not boring. I was intrigued the whole time. 
I like the the swerves of MJF winning the matchup via chokeout, but using a foreign object and the referee noticing it and then restarting the matchup. I like the swerve of Wardlow coming out and JR planting the seeds of is Wardlow going to turn on MJF? But in fact, Wardlow does help MJF win the matchup when he gives him the dynamite diamond ring to use on CM Punk. There was a lot of twists and turns. There was a lot of roller coaster. There was fighting in the crowd. There was a brawl. There was great technical action. There was great classic action. CM Punk pulling out the Pepsi Plunge, a move he hasn't done since Ring of Honor in 2005. Think about that. We're in 2022. CM Punk didn't pull that move out since 2005. Pulling out all the stops to win this matchup. And I got to say also, CM Punk a couple weeks ago was looking winded when he goes into matches. CM Punk wrestled a 35, almost a 40-minute matchup here and looked great. So I would like to give the hot take right now and say that CM Punk, the old CM Punk, is back. The man who could wrestle a long match is back. The guy who is not going to get winded when he's in there for more than 25 minutes is back. So that's really cool. And I am glad that CM Punk took the loss. Because MJF needed to win. The right guy went over. And AEW having the balls to have CM Punk lose in Chicago. Really awesome to see. I enjoyed that main event. I enjoyed this episode of AEW. I give it a strong three and a... I was going to say three and a half. But I give it a three out of five stars. And I'll tell you why three out of five. AEW does have good promos. But AEW is very promo heavy. This is a two-hour show, and I think we only had, like, five matches. So, yeah, we need storyline development, but I would have liked to see less Brandy Rhodes and more Andrade. I would have liked to see less Brandy Rhodes and more Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. You understand what I'm saying? We're giving up TV time for people who shouldn't be on TV and keeping people off TV still who deserve to be on the show. That's all I'm going to say. And that's what brings the AEW down a little bit. AEW was down in the ratings this week. They were back in the 900,000s. They were sitting in that 1 million mark for a while. So hopefully they get back to that 1 million mark. I'm a true AEW fan, so I just want to see them succeed. I enjoyed the show. Could have been a little better, but definitely succeeded in my eyes. Definitely fulfilled my Wednesday night delight. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to be going back in time to the land of extreme like we do every week here on this podcast. We go back in time and talk about a little classic ECW action. So when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to strap in our seatbelts on the DeLorean. And we're going to be going back in time to November 8th, 1997 and November 15th, 1997. And we're going to be talking all about ECW Hardcore TV the lead-up to the November to Remember pay-per-view live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the franchise Shane Douglas will face Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event for the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. We're going to be talking all about that and a lot more when we come back, so stay tuned. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. 
starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court and Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. gentlemen welcome to this is extreme where every week here on the wrestling delorean podcast we go back in time and we talking about ecw hardcore tv every pay-per-view every episode of ecw's glory days on this episode of ecw hardcore tv from november 8th 1997 and we're also going to talk about november 15th 1997 we are on the build-up to the November to Remember 1997 from the Golden Dome in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where Shane Douglas will be wrestling Bam Bam Bigelow for the ECW champion. But before we get there, we have an incredible three-way dance between Tommy Dreamer, Shane Douglas, and Sabu on the November 8th episode of ECW Hardcore TV. And on the November 15th episode, we have an amazing tag team title match between Tommy Dreamer and the TV champion, as, as they go against the whole fucking show, Rob Van Dam, and the human highlight reel himself, the suicidal, the homicidal, the genocidal, death-defying Sabu. This was two amazing episodes of ECW Hardcore TV, so let's not just talk about it, let's get into the action right now. It's funny because I was just watching Pulp Fiction the other day, so it's a little hard to hear that song without it going into Jungle Boogie right afterwards with fucking John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson in the car. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Pulp Fiction. We're here to talk about ECW Hardcore TV. We're going to start out with the November 8th episode live from the ECW Arena. This was a hell of a show. This was the show that announced that on November 30th we're going to be having a pay-per-view from... Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the hometown of the franchise Shane Douglas. Now, Joey Styles welcomes us to the ring. He welcomes us to the world-famous ECW arena. And while he is running down the card, he's interrupted by the puny piece of shit himself, Lance Wright. He interrupts him, but he's backstage with none other than the legendary Rick Rude, who talks about he's only fucking Francine to get at the franchise. He said, the only reason why I had sex with your bitch 
was because I'm trying to fuck with you, franchise. Pause. But, you know, mentally, not, not, not physically. But anyway, he said that Bam Bam Bigelow has been held down for too long. He says, as Ted Turner and Vince McMahon are begging for me to come back to WCW or the WWF, I'm here in ECW because I want to see Bam Bam Bigelow beat the living shit out of you, franchise Shane Douglas. This leads to the franchise coming out with his main squeeze, the queen of extreme Francine, comes out to the ring. The very classy crowd of Philadelphia is chanting for Francine to show her tits. Like I said, classy. Which, then she replies to the crowd asking for them to show her tits. She says, I would rather eat dog shit than show you anything of me. Anyway, she says that Shane Douglas is very pissed off. Shane Douglas then gets on the mic and he says, As you go home and you guys go masturbate in your mother's basement... He says, I'm the guy who goes home and gets to fuck Francine, as you all beg for her to show her tits. Anyway, he says that it's hard for him to be out here. He says it's hard for him to eat. It's hard for him to train, knowing that that backstabber, Bam Bam Bigelow, took the title from him. The guy that he welcomed into the triple threat took the title from him. But it's only going to be temporary because he will be back to his usual form. He said that the only shining light is that Queens got to see the title change and not Philadelphia. He said because Philadelphia doesn't deserve to see a title change, but New York City does. This leads to Sabu and Bill Alfonso interrupting. He says that he hates CCW. Well, Bill Alfonso says he hates CCW. He hates Philly. He says that he's the guy who beat Beulah McGillicuddy the last time they were here in Philly. This leads to Tommy Dreamer interrupting with Beulah McGillicuddy. And we are told that we are about to have a three-way dance for the number one contendership for the ECW champion. Franchise Shane Douglas, Sabu, and Tommy Dreamer. And this matchup got a lot of time. In fact, that this matchup was from the duration of the whole show. This was the only matchup on this episode of ECW Hardcore TV. But I wasn't complaining because it was a great fucking matchup. Really good action. A lot of double team work from Shane Douglas and Sabu. They were just beating up Tommy Dreamer for most of this matchup. Tommy Dreamer entered into this ring with a broken heel. He had it braced up. Uh, Like I said, lots of double teaming from Shane Douglas and Sabu. Things then break down and every man is going out for themselves. Match gets a lot of time. Francine and Beulah McGillicuddy, they jump Bill Alfonso. They hit the double clothesline. And then we have a cat fight in the ring between Francine and Beulah McGillicuddy. These two hate each other. We got the infamous Joey Styles screaming, cat fight, cat fight, cat fight. You know, classic ECW shit. Uh, Tommy Dreamer and the franchise Shane Douglas then take each other's girls and hit the fucking pile driver on them. So Dreamer pile drived Francine while Shane Douglas hit the pile driver on Beulah. Sabu then hits a crazy double uh, diving clothesline from the top rope. This is just ECW at its finest here. Francine, well, the franchise, I mean, goes to leave. He says, fuck, this is not worth it. I'm getting my shot at Bam Bam anyway. Why do I need to win this match? He goes to leave. He goes up the entranceway, but Bam Bam Bigelow comes out. He starts beating up Franchise. He throws Franchise back into the ring. Tommy Dreamer and Sabu double pin Franchise Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas is gone. After this, Sabu and uh, Tommy Dreamer, they are just going at it now. Franchise is eliminated. It's down to Sabu and Tommy Dreamer. Sabu hit a huge dive out to the outside. Tommy Dreamer hits a fucking top rope DDT through a table on Sabu, but this gets a two count. 
Bill Alfonso hits Tommy Dreamer with a chair onto his broken heel. This leads to Sabu hitting a crazy leg drop. One, two, kick out. And then we have the infamous triple jump moonsault by Sabu where he sets up a chair in the middle of the ring. Jumps from that chair to the fucking top rope and then hits a backflip moonsault onto Tommy Dreamer. One, two, three, your winner and number one contender, Sabu. Tommy Dreamer, though, gets a standing ovation. He had a crazy effort. Like I said, he he came into this match with a fucking broken heel. Anyway, this episode ends with the franchise, Shane Douglas and Bam Bam Bigelow cutting promos, you know, like promos against each other where it was like one was recorded, then the other one was recorded, and they were like going back and back. But really good shit. Franchise talk about throwing down the NWA champion and being the flag holder for ECW. He says that his father instilled in him never to be second best. Bam Bam Bigelow talks about always cooperating. He cooperated when he fought Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania. He cooperated when he left the WWE, but he said he doesn't cooperate anymore. They will face off in the main event November 30th at the November to remember Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for the ECW champion. Really good shit. Go out of your way to check out this episode. November 15th, ECW Hardcore TV. We jump right into a matchup between Just Incredible and Chris Chetty. Really good shit. Just Incredible picks up the victory. Then we have Jason talking shit to the crowd. This leads to Jason versus Blue Meanie. Meanie hits the Meanie Salt. He hits the Blow Blow, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This wasn't that big of a deal. Joey Styles comes out. He welcomes us to the show. He says that tonight, Tommy Dreamer and Taz will be teaming up with each other to be going against Sabu and Rob Van Dam. He then talks about the franchise, Shane Douglas and Bam Bam. This leads to franchise Shane Douglas coming out here. He has a lot to say. He's talking about Bam Bam Bigelow again. Rick Rude then comes out. Rick Rude talks about how Francine said that Shane Douglas has a little dick. You know what I mean? Little little fucking preschool disses here. Shane Douglas and Rick Rude get face-to-face, but then the triple threat come out. This leads to Bam Bam Bigelow coming out and just taking out Lance Storm as Chris Candido and franchise Shane Douglas flee the scene. We then get the main event, Rob Van Dam and Sabu versus Taz and Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer still with the broken heel, still with an ankle brace on. Really good matchup, great main event here. In the end, the Pipples, they make a interference here, which leads to Taz leaving the ring and going after them in the crowd. But Tommy Dreamer was able to still pick up the victory on Sabu and Rob Van Dam one on two. So it became a handicap match, and Tommy Dreamer still picks up the victory. But there was a post-match beatdown. Rob Van Dam and Sabu take out Tommy Dreamer. Sabu attempts to throw a fireball at Tommy Dreamer like he did at the Sandman. But before he can, the lights go out, and we have the return of the Sandman, who's on top of a ladder. He's ready to cane everybody. He's drinking beer. He's smoking cigarettes, and the crowd is loving this. They're eating this shit up. It was a great way to end the November 15th episode of ECW. Really good episodes here for ECW. Two great, amazing shows. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Go out of your way. I mean, like, if you don't don't already watch ECW Hardcore TV, you are missing out. It's definitely a treat to watch. It's definitely great to watch. And you should follow along and watch episode by episode like I do here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. So when I actually talk about it here, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Anyway... 
I'm going to leave you guys with this. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you don't already, follow on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. Follow on TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. And make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going strong. This is our highest downloaded month already, and the month just started. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I love you all, and I appreciate all the support. I'm about to lead out with the new song by the Lords of Gotham, my rap group, featuring my homies, King Huey and Eddie Niggs. This is Wolves. Follow us at Lords underscore of underscore Gotham on Instagram and tune in to the Wrestling DeLorean podcast on Monday. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Stay safe, stay strong, stay positive. One love. Catch you on Monday here on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Like a tough in the hood Till the wolves come Bitches let a drink in the club Till the wolves come Surrounded by the sheep in the street Till the wolves come Everyone strip on the floor We the wolves done Fuck with De Niro, I got a Snyder extender clip, so who wanna play hero? Go bad shit like Ozzy, I was born in the darkness. Oh, you the wolf till we pull up and you're harmless. So pray to Oliver Don, out of the top shotter, the top spot, final boss you cross, that's when your ride stop. Basquiat with that white chalk, triggers, finger streets, might leave your brains on the sidewalk. Niggas that can tough in the hood, till the wolves come. Bitches let a drink in the club, till the wolves come. Surrounded by the sheep in the street, till the wolves come. Everyone strip on the floor, till the wolves come. Heard them got them niggas. They be moving in the packs Think the shit is sweet They be plotting in the back Summertime better be careful where you at No matter Addy nigga We gon' get you where you lack Dipping, creeping through the night is precise Catch a nigga slipping for his ice Worth your life Answers yes well didn't nigga pay your price Right or wrong when you see the moon It's on sight South Bronx midnight Niggas moving packs cause they hunting I'm moving packs of that onion But probably packing up some Catch him slipping with them coals And he ain't telling us nothing Catch a nigga fooling twice And then I'm pressing that button Send his ass away Permanent vacate and start bluffing Must have moved to Honolulu Changed his name to McLovin Said you know what you know That's for the pack to remember And if a nigga leaking these We gotta Niggas say the dead don't talk, but that money do If I put a hole in his melon, I bet his honey do Shorty keep crying and screaming like that's helping you Bullets gave his brain a period for that decimal I think it's like a tough in the hood Till the wolves come Bitches let a drink in the club Till the wolves come Surrounded by the sheep in the street Till the wolves come Everyone strip on the floor Till the wolves come Heard them got them niggas, they be moving in the packs Think the shit is sweet, they be plotting in the back Summertime, better be careful where you at No matter Addy, nigga, we gon' get you where you lack Dipping, creeping through the night is precise Catch a nigga slipping for his ice, worth your life Answers yes, well, did nigga pay your price Right or wrong, when you see the moon, it's on sight From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 